tonight. We love you, Pastor Clayton. Amen. Check that front. Leave some at work. Tell them who's <laughs> preaching Sunday. You pass those out? Yes, sir. You pass those out in a couple of Sundays. You pass those out. Make sure everybody gets one. Listen, yo, listen, listen up. These are very important. We put a lot of time and effort in these. And so if I were you, I'd give it to somebody. Don't just walk out of church and throw it in a garbage can. Leave it somewhere that somebody can read it. Give it to a friend. Give it to a family member. Also, the script is in there just to remind you. Tell somebody about Jesus. And so this is a little tool we're going to put in your hand that we can just spread through the community. Uh, you know, what's going on at the river. Uh, you know, the Bible says that we should consider one another and we should stir up each other in love and in good works. And so we need to spur each other on. You know, you need to tell people, your friends, the fellowship here, tell them what's going on in your life. And, uh, you know, stir them up to share their faith. I was talking to Miss Green here, and I was asking her, because I don't know a whole lot about you, but she's been with us almost a year. Yes. And uh, she was telling me about that she accepted the challenge of coming one year, and it would change your life, and it actually will do that. And everybody here can make the same statement to anybody that comes here. And I did tell her there's a little catch to the one year. You know, once you do a year, you got to give us another year. And so it's the first year is just a hook to, to have you that we could really uh, plant some good things uh, in you. So we're congratulations uh, for sticking with us. And she's in Bible school. And so we need to spur each other on, stir each other up. I, I met a few people before service uh, tonight, and I just told them, I said, you called to preach. You called to be a witness. You called to lay hands on the sick. I said, I, I told this couple, I said, I appreciate y'all being, y'all great service monitors, coordinators. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you help us in church. Keep doing that. We need that. But when you walk out this door, tell people about Jesus. You know, I told Becky, I said, she's a great administrator, but don't forget about the people out there. We don't want this to be some social club. We need to share our faith. The Bible talks about that the Word of God was given as the inspiration God and is profitable for doctrine, rebuke, correction, and an instruction of righteousness that every godly man or every godly woman would be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work that the Lord calls them to do. So we're all called to do good works, great exploits for God. So we need to check on each other. Like, you know, what went on this week? Did you tell anybody about Jesus? What went on this week? Did you get to pray for anybody? Did you get to counsel anybody? Did you get to uh, share the wisdom of the Bible with anybody this week? Y'all understand, we are containers of God's glory. There's so much in us. And you won't even know what's in you until you just start speaking. 
I'm telling you, when you unplug yourself from the world and fear and just start speaking, you will be surprised at what comes out of your mouth. So I'm just stirring you up. You know, I remember the, the day I got saved, you know, it just, I, I realized that the Lord was reasoning with me. I realized the Holy Spirit was drawing me. I didn't know the Holy Spirit, but somebody was drawing me. Something was drawing me uh, to this religious thing. And, and I realized today the Lord was dealing with me. He was trying to reason with me. He was negotiating me. He was negotiating. He wanted his son. He wanted me to see his son. He wanted me to be interested in his son. He wanted me to see uh, what his son had done for me. And uh, once I realized that, I just gave in. I remember the day I just, I totally got in. I surrendered my life. You know, I was thinking as we were worshiping God. Everybody get on your knees for a minute. This little Simon says tonight. How does that feel? What a powerful place to be. P prayer is the most powerful, powerful tool we have. I mean, just prayer is more powerful than your job. It's more powerful than your money. It's more powerful than your influence. It's so powerful because you get to communicate with God. He gets to unload insight and wisdom to you. And I was thinking as Brother Clayton was praising God that, you know, there were probably millions of Christians killed in this position. And that's the way the enemy always do it because they know the scripture. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And I don't believe many of those Christians confess the other God, but they got on their knees. And it's a, it's a very vulnerable place. If I'm standing up, I can take you out. I can kick you in the face and just take you out. It's a very vulnerable place of submission. And that's what the enemy would do to Christians. He wanted them on their knees in a vulnerable place, bowing before them, that your life is in our hands and we will do with you as we plan. And so I don't know about you, but I'm not going to bow to the enemy. You all right there, Jason? You like going under, man. And uh, so it's really not your knees. You know, we don't want to get religious. It's really not your knees. It's your heart. You bow your heart. You give your heart. And when your heart is given to God, you'll end up on your face, end up on your knees. You'll end up wherever you need to be. You just need to be in the presence of God's power. Praise him. Okay, Jazz, you ready? I got a scripture I didn't tell you. Uh, Romans 12, 2, if you would put it up there. Anyway, at one time, my sins were like scarlet, red as crimson. But he washed me white as snow, white as wool. And the Bible says if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. I just decided the day I got saved, I'm just going gonna, gonna to serve God. I didn't even know what I was saying, didn't know what I was doing. And I decided I was going to will to do it and I was going to obey the Lord. And since that day, I've been eating the good of the land. 
I've been, it's just been a pleasure. Who's, who feels the same way? Yes. That, that the gospel didn't disappoint you. The gospel really brought the life it promised it would give you. Got up the other morning. Can you put uh, uh, verse 1 up there first? I did tell you too, but. Anyway, Brother Clay, we're going to be in, we're going to be in Costa Rica. We're leaving Monday and we'll be going until the following Tuesday. We have a team of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve people. And we're actually going to, to scout out the land to start a church there. So we would appreciate you guys uh, keeping us in prayer. Brother Clayton. I just came last Wednesday. You were here, so you preach. Kevin, if you can, uh, not this one, next Wednesday preach, if you can. Yeah, not, no, the next Wednesday. The next Wednesday. If you can. If you can, get with Jen. She'll put you in the uh, advertisement. If, if you can't, just talk to Mickey if something comes up. Where was I going with that? Oh, Scripture. I beseech you. I, he's saying, I beg you. I plead with you. Come on, dude. Listen up. Therefore, brethren, he's talking to the body of Christ, by the mercies of God. Now, we know the grace of God is unmerited favor. It's uh, a gift. The grace of God is something that God gives us. You can't earn it. And uh, we don't deserve it. He just gives it to us. But mercy is not getting what you deserve. Y'all got that? We all deserved hell. You know, if, if your parents said they'll punish you if you do something wrong and they didn't, <laughs> either they forgot or they gave you mercy. They showed you mercy. And so Paul is saying this in the atmosphere, and we should all be thinking this, we are all living in the mercy of God. I mean, you understand the mercy and the grace of God. And he said, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so God needs our body. Jesus came from heaven and he was given a body that the will of God could get done. Without a body, it couldn't have happened. So how much more? Does God need our own bodies? He needs our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are uh, instruments of righteousness. He needs our body. Think about it, but don't think about it too long. Where your body used to go before you got saved. Where did your body bring your mind, bring your emotions, bring your will? It brought you in some bad places. Some of y'all were in the club, and your body was... You know, not shaking under the power of God, but shaking and just, you know, <laughs> just not good. And so anyway, God needs our body because our soul, mind, will, and emotions is in the body. And of course, this scripture goes on to say uh, this is holy and acceptable to God. And I believe Jesus was holy and acceptable to the Father because he was a living sacrifice. There were only two living two living. There were only two living sacrifices in the Bible. Isaiah, uh, Isaac was one. 
he gave himself to the altar. He was ready to die. And then God gave provision. And then he walked away. So he's a living sacrifice. And also Jesus was a living sacrifice. He actually died, but he got up. And now he's seated in heaven uh, in the throne room of God with his wounds in his hands. So he's actually a living sacrifice. And so Isaac was a type of the Jesus to come. Jesus was the type of the body to be. That's you and I. So we also need to be a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is our daily worship. This is our daily worship. Every, every day we get up, our bodies are vessels of the Lord, carrying our spirit to do the will of God. And then the Bible says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what the world wants to do is conform you, and what God wants to do is transform you. The world wants to conform your will to it, but God wants to transform your will to his will. And so you're going to go one way or the other, and the world does it from the outside. The images, the entertainment, Hollywood, the things you see, the things you touch, the natural things, it, it wants to speak to your mind because the world wants our mind because your mind will rule your body. And if the world has your mind, they basically, the world has your will too. So now your mind and your will are subject to your body in the world and so the enemy gets done what he wants done. But the Lord wants your body and the Lord wants us to have his mind and his will. And it says renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind. Uh, a couple of mornings ago, I got up and uh, it's, just, it's just a good feeling to get up with a scripture. I mean, you just wake up and this scripture's on your mind. Anybody ever have that feeling? Yeah. I mean, just, I want to go to bed with a scripture in my heart, and I want to get up with revelation. God just, that's the alarm. You just get up. Uh, I'm going to tell him what I did. Anyway, y'all <laughs> ever heard of Roy Robeson? Arbison, Arbison, Arbison. Y'all know, y'all know him. Arbison. Down on, down on, down. Down on, down on, down. Down on, 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 down on. Y'all didn't play that in Trinidad. Pretty woman walking down the street. Pretty woman, don't walk away from me. Pretty woman. Anyway, this was a brilliant. He was a brilliant artist. He looked weird. He was kind of eccentric, but he was brilliant. He wrote so many songs. I mean, Elvis sang his song, and they were all good, clean, wholesome songs. Just a brilliant. A what? Not totally. Yeah, they all were good. I listened to all of them. They're all good. They, what you didn't like? Anyway, I don't listen to I don't listen to rock music or anything, but it just I like to see the accomplishments of people, the giftings that people have, especially when they use them in the right way. Yes. And so 
we went to bed that night, not, you know, Susan hears these songs. So she has a dream about pretty woman. Whatever she hears, whatever Susan hears, she dreams about. And so, you know, be careful what you let in your mind. And uh, I, I hear people's dreams, and I just ask them, what did you, what did, what did you listen to before you went to sleep? Yeah. Usually it's tagged to that, something happened during the day. That's just kind of how it works. What's on your mind is what you're thinking about, and you go to sleep with it, and you get up with it. But anyway, I got up, not to pretty woman, but I got up to this real good scripture. Could you put it back up there? Verse 2. It's, it's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. And I got up, and the first part of this, 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 the, this is what got in my mind. I just, that you may prove what is. That just hit me. That you may prove what, it, what is. That you may prove what is. That you may prove what is. That you may prove what is. I could just see it. I could just see the scripture in the print that you may prove what is. And the Lord just started really showing me some things about what is. Not what was, not what will be, not yesterday, not tomorrow, not someday, what is. And so I started thinking about what is. Well, first of all, you won't be transformed if you don't know what is. And the only way to know what is, is you're going to have to connect with the Holy Spirit. Because to get revelation, you can read the print, but the Holy Spirit has got to reveal it to you. He's the, he is the revealer. And so the Lord showed me that what is had a lot to do with the life of Jesus. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is. And if you believe that he is, then he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And we diligently seek him to know what he is and what he has offered and what has been paid for. So what is is everything in the kingdom of God. And if you don't know what is, you, you don't, your faith, you, you can't serve God. What is is the will of God. What is comes via the Holy Spirit. What is comes through revelation. What is comes through prayer and communion with God. And so the world's trying to conform us. So this is, we deal with the world every day. And the world just wants us to be made in its image. And we will be conformed to the image of the world if we don't know what is. Y'all with me? What is? It's the scriptures. What is? It's the life of God. And if we don't know what is when a problem comes, if we don't know what, what is, how God sees it, his purpose in it. If we don't know what is, we're confused. Then we we left to ourselves. We're limited to, to ourselves trying to figure it out. 
struggling. But if we know what is his will for the situation, then we own it. Then we have confidence. If you don't know the what is, you don't have confidence in God. You're confused. We'll be in strife. We'll wonder where God went. Are y'all getting this? And so I just want to take this scripture and then relate it to healing. Because healing is of God. That's a what is. And a lot of people still struggle with that today. Why, you know, why am I not getting healed? You know, not everybody gets healed and you never know with God. He gets a little weird. He's mysterious. And so if, if you don't know, you don't know what the what is is. He's a healer. And so that's just a small thing. He's a healer. And we're going to just shoot through some scriptures. We've been doing this in Bible school. I am so confident in first in this. If I could sit down with someone long enough and have their full attention and they're not scared of me and they trust me and they're open to what I have to say, I can speak by the Spirit, and I'm almost guaranteed I can present the gospel to them in a way, in a very simplistic form, and they will shake their head yes at it. And it's very possible they will pray a prayer and accept Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do y'all believe that? Yeah. If, you, if, they're, if they're receiving, if they're open, if they're hungry, I hate to use the word ready because I think everybody's at a place that the Holy Spirit needs to get them ready. But do y'all have that confidence that you could actually take the, the word of God for salvation, the truth about Jesus, the one, uh, one man sinned and so many became disobedient, but another man came in the place of Adam and because of his obedience, many were saved. And so I could just go through Romans 5 and just go through everything and just lay it out and I have full confidence, I'm fully persuaded, I could get that person saved. Anybody agree you could do that? You could do it if you had confidence in the scriptures. If you believed the scriptures, you could do it. You could do it. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with healing. It's no different. And I've really gotten to the point with this healing school if I could have people's attention long enough and just saturate their mind in what is, not what might be, what is. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Y'all understand? He, he carried, he bore sickness and disease in his own body. He carried it that we don't have to carry it. And so if, if, if you can hear the scriptures on healing, and you should need a thousand because God has given each man a measure of faith. So you have enough faith to believe. One day I'm going to really teach on the scripture, faith comes by hearing. Because you see all through the Bible, people just believe. Faith is believing. You have enough faith to believe what the Lord says. You don't have to hear it 4,000 times. You understand? You don't have to sit in a service for, uh, for three years and hear the message, and then one day it just clicks. You have to open up. You have to lean to the, incline your ears, incline your, your ears to the Lord. Heed his word. Listen to his commandments. And as soon as you believe, it's yours. 
And so I found it just takes some people a little longer. It takes all of us a little while. But I found if we could put people in a place and talk about a subject long enough, they get it. That's what I like about school. It's not a one-hour service. You're saturated. You're preaching. You're teaching line upon line, precept upon precept. And finally, it just clicks. We had some people in our class this week. One lady, I'll let Susan explain it, but she couldn't even talk. Her tongue was, I don't know. Just, she's a mess. She wasn't working. She had this thing throughout her body. It was cancer. And uh, she, she stood with it. They were all Catholic. And she stood there just and stayed under the anointing, stayed under the teaching. We got a text the other day. Her tongue was loosed. And she went to work. And, she, and this was not even going to happen. And so I think sometimes what we're trying to get to people, we just need to spend a little more time with them. Just, just be a little more patient. Get, get a few more scriptures under your belt. Get three, get three scriptures, a good witness. Establish something concerning the world, so, word so you can transfer it uh, to somebody. So I'm going to believe with all of my heart. We're going to fly through some of these scriptures. And I know sometimes in, in church, people get bored just because you read scriptures. You know, it, it's, it's not like we have to quote a scripture and then do a song and a dance and, you know, tell a joke, tell a story. I mean, I just, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? We need to grow up. You know, we don't have to tickle your little fanny to get your attention. So then you can, you know, get in a place of reception. Everybody just lean forward and be ready to hear the word of God. We're students of God. We shouldn't have to play all these games and try to get everybody where they need to be. And everybody's happy. You got your water. You want some coffee? You need some popcorn? What do you need? We want to get you. You understand? I'm We're going to submit to the word of God. And the word of God is going to change our life. And I don't think we have to have all the foreplay. Can I put it like that? I mean, my God. Spiritual foreplay. John said that's a good analogy. <laughs> Whoo! Okay, we're on page 76. I'm telling you, I'm going to fly through here. There's seven names in the Old Testament for God. Jehovah is his name. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Nisi, Shalom, Rapha, Raha, Tiskanu, Shama. But the one we're focusing on is Jehovah Rapha and uh, God the healer. And so healing is his nature. He's a healer. <laughs> you understand? In the Old Testament, God presented himself in these names. But Jesus came as the reality of all of these names embodied in a person that we could actually experience. And so God is a healer. And so what do healers do? They heal. He was saying, my name is healer. It meant that healing is actually of God's redemptive nature. Whenever you hear the word redemptive, that means a saving ability. God has a saving ability. 
He can save us from anything. That's the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It saves us from sickness. It saves us from sin. It saves us from the power of sin. It will save us from the presence of sin one day. It saves us from the curse. It saves us from torment. It saves us from fear. The, it's the redemptive power <coughs> of the blood of Jesus saves us from anything that's trying to destroy us. And sickness and death is the be sickness and disease is the beginning of death. You understand? And is, is the Lord going to save us from death? Yeah, because yeah, death is just a threshold we step over into eternal life. And so he will save us from sickness and disease because he has a redemptive power. That's his ability. Through him, God displayed to the world his healing nature. You know, it's just like me. I am the river. The I am the river church. You meet me, you met the River Church. And I can say that about a lot of people here. You meet them, you met the River Church. But when you meet the healer, you met the healer. Yeah. And that's what he represents. That's his nature. That's what he does. That's his flow. And so the Lord has always made provision for healing and health for his covenant people. This is true under both the Old and New Covenants. Under the Old Covenant, God promised to remove all sickness from the children of Israel if they remain faithful to him. Now, when they came out of Egypt, three million people, not one was feeble. We got 30. We probably have some feeble people here. So our percentage is not where it needs to be. But the three million that came out, none were feeble. They were all okay. No sickness, no disease. The minute they begin to cross that Red Sea, they everything in Egypt stayed in Egypt. Y'all with me? So healing is for today. Under the new covenant, covenant, Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and pains and is part of his redemptive work of the cross. And we have to believe this with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. You know, there's a lot of places in the Bible that it talks about all of our heart. And so if we don't give all of our heart, we're not giving all of our heart. And the reason oftentimes things don't work is because we've give, we haven't given all of ourselves to it. Because a half a heart, half a strength, half a mind, half a soul is not going to work. You have to give all yourself to the Lord. Amen. Everybody at that place in their seat, you ready to give you all yourself to these healing scriptures? Divine healing is God acting supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit, causing the human body to be healed, cured, and delivered from sickness and its power so that the body is made whole and restored to health and soundness. Four pillars of truth about divine healing. Number one, God revealed himself in the Old Testament as our healer. You can put Exodus 15, 26 up there. And the great physician. And and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, that's number one, heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do, that's number two, do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. I know that sounds bad. That really means God will not permit it to come on you. He permitted it to come on the Egyptians. He put it on. He permitted 
the wickedness, the rebellion, the ungodliness, it opens the door. That's where sickness and disease should stay. So when they left out of Egypt, he did not permit any of this in Egypt uh, to get on them. Let's look at Exodus 23, 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the mist of you. Exodus 23, 25. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now Exodus 23 and 25. Oh, we did it. I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 7, 14. Deuter. Come on, Deuter. Man, Jasmine, you rolling. Thomas put that thing on you, huh? You know, I went up to Jasmine, and this is what I told her. And we need to get, we need to be okay with this. I said, Jasmine, I have to cover a lot tonight. I need you on it. I need you with me. I need you moving fast. I kind of shocked you, huh? Kind of scared you a little bit. But you big enough to take that. And we should be able to talk to people like that in church. That we should be able to tell people, come on, man, I need the best of you. I need you to work with me. And when you need me, I'm going to work with you the same way. Amen. So we need to be like, we need to stir each other up. Iron sharpens iron. We, we need to be excellent about what we do. We need to be attentive about the things of the Lord. You shall be blessed above all peoples. They're talking about us. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. Y'all know that y'all are the livestock of the Lord and you will be pregnant and you will have good seed in the name of Jesus. Is, is there another scripture there? Put 15 up there. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. We don't hate the Lord. We're submitted to him. You, you come against the Lord, you don't accept the Lord, the curse is already on you. You understand? I lived under the curse before I had Jesus. I lived under the curse. Thank God when I received Jesus, Jesus hung on the cross for me and took the curse for me. So the curse is off. Everything, every curse is off of me. There's no such, a, there's no generational curse on me. Amen. The generational curse has got to stop when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And if it doesn't, Jesus didn't do it enough. He didn't go far enough. If you get saved, born again, delivered from the curse, and you still have a generational curse on you, we need Jesus to come back and do it again because it's not good enough. Now, you could not be doing some things. You could, you could be disobedient in an area. You could, have some, you could be perishing in an area because, you know, you, you, you're ignorant. You, you're not, or you're ignoring the scripture, and that could open doors. But in the eyes of the Lord, when you're born again, the curse is, it's done. It's dealt with. Y'all agree? Yeah. Well, I know Christians, they're still going through something. Well, they might be willing, but they're not obedient. Or they might be obedient, but they're not willing. It, it's just as bad. You know, I'm going to do it because I have to. No, you have to be willing. You have to love the Lord and love his commandments and heed his commandments. Y'all okay with that? Yes. Uh, by nature, God is healing, is a healing God who is against sickness and disease. Psalm 103, 2, 4. 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That's a good way to start off the morning right there. And forget not all his benefits. We got benefits in the Lord. Who redeems your life, saves your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. How about Psalm 105, 37? He also brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among the tribes. Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word. That was Jesus. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, he sent Jesus as the living word, and now the Lord's sending us as the living word to heal and to deliver people from destruction. Thomas, I ask you and Jasmine, who's the best? She's, she's rolling. No, number two, number two, God revealed in the person of Jesus, is revealed in the person of Jesus, came as the healer of sick, suffering humanity. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness. That was the ministry of Jesus. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, manifestation of his preaching and teaching. That was his whole ministry. That's our ministry. We talk. We speak the utterances of God, the oracles of God. And then there should be a manifestation that follows that. That was the, the, the ministry of Jesus. And healings, all kinds of sicknesses, and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. I'm just trying to get this in your spirit. Psalm 107, 04. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. This is good. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's powerful, huh? Go tell those that are in disbelief. Go tell John. John, John has this jailhouse mentality. He's offended. He's in jail. We're supposed to be free. You can be free in jail. <laughs> but he's disgruntled. And Jesus has to send somebody to him to encourage him. But the Lord is still doing then what John saw him do before, and he's still doing today what he did then. Where are we there, girlfriend? Matthew 4. Where are we? Oh, is she a Mahaya? Matthew 9.35, let's go there. Matthew 9.35. See, when you go so fast and do so good and then you slow up, everybody notices it. <laughs> it's all about pace. Get you, you're doing good, Jasmine. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel 
of the kingdom and healing every sickness. There it is again. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. The gospel of the kingdom. That's what does it. Every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 11, oh, 35. Matthew 11, 4 and 5. And let's do 6 too. Jesus answered and said to them, go tell John. I think we did that, huh? Hmm. All right. <laughs> We're on page 77. Over 70% of the ministry of Jesus, his earthly ministry, was spent healing the sick and casting out demons and performing miracles and laying hands on people. 70% of his ministry was doing that. The other was feeding, you know. That was his ministry. That is our ministry today. Much of our time should be spent ministering to people. I'm deputizing everybody here. I'm telling you. I'm going up to people. I'm telling them, let it go, man. Open your mouth. Start. When somebody is discouraged, start giving them the gospel. When somebody has no direction, no hope, start speaking to them. I'm trying to stir you up. Those people are waiting on somebody to come encourage them. And if you don't, some, some person going to take them to a ballroom that night. You know what I mean? Just we should be uh, the bar they belly up to. We, we should give them the drink that they really need in life, that they won't suffer any longer. Okay, we're going to read this story, uh, Matthew 8. Let's go through all of those scriptures if you can. Y'all know the story, but I just want to go through it. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, yeah, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing. So he's not sure if the Lord's willing. I'm telling you the Lord's willing, and we will see that. If you are willing, you can make me clean. So he knew God could. He knew Jesus could, but he wasn't sure the Lord was willing. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him and saying, I'm willing. So as soon as Jesus answered his question, he received his healing. Immediately, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was, clean, was cleansed. Isn't that powerful? Just go through them all, Jasmine. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Well described. Huh? That's a bad case. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, if Jesus would have went to this home, he would have been considered uh, unclean. But he was going. Because how many of y'all know, ain't nothing can touch us. I'm not worried about what can touch. Nothing can touch me. No weapon formed against me. People all get all spooky about, well, if I go there, this spirit's going to get on me. Ain't no spirit going to get on my Holy Spirit, I can tell you right now. And uh, some younger people, you might have some, you know, some fears that could open the doors. But I'm telling you, that nothing can get on you. I don't let just anybody lay hands on me because I just don't like anybody laying hands on me. But if some devilish person come lay hands on me, it's going to backfire. <laughs> you just messed up, buddy. 
It's fixing to get on you because I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of what people carry. Now, if they got a gun, I'm going to run. But as far as the spirit thing, that I, I, don't, I don't mind the spirit thing, but when the spirit get in a person and begins to control the person's mind, that gets a little, uh, uh, what's the word? That can be a little difficult. <laughs> He said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word. All, you need is, all we need is the word on what is. What is is the word. You got to know what is. And the word for healing is that he's a healer today and he wants our bodies to be healed. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Of course, he knew authority. You know, I was talking the other day to some people. We, we, we in America don't understand authority. If we had a king, we would better understand authority because if you didn't do what the king said do, you'd, serve, you'd get the consequences. Here, when, you know, we got a vote, we have an opinion. And so we, we really don't understand authority. I can say this, and I, I can see it in you. You came from another country, you come in this country, you feel privileged, you feel like this is a great country, I'm honored to live here, and you obey authority. I've watched people come from outside the country and, and better understand authority than Americans. I heard Rodney Howard Brown say it the other day. He said, only Americans don't understand authority. They're the hardest ones to really accept authority. When I came out of the church, I came out of, I was telling Miss Carolyn, because she, she just walked in my office, which is quite all right. She works for us. And we, we, we pretty loose here. But we couldn't do that. You, you had to have an appointment. You had to, you know, who, who are you, first of all? Because <laughs> my pastor wasn't just talking to anybody. And so they drilled this into us. And it wasn't condescending, because condescending, it, it wasn't, I'm better than you. We just respected authority. And I'm finding that people that come from different countries or work in a different country, they really understand authority. And I find my generation, I'm just talking, my generation, the churches we came up in, we understand authority. But the generation today is, I failed in some of this area, and I'm going to try to do better, that you really understand authority. Because if you understand authority like this centurion, you will understand the Word of God better. Because if you struggle with natural authority, you're going to definitely struggle with the Word of God. You're going to struggle with the Word of God. When, when, you, when you understand authority and they say, do this, and you said, yes, sir, and you respect it, you might not even totally agree with it, but you understand the office. You understand the position. You understand the levels, the strata that's set up by God for us to live under and have a peaceful and quiet life with holiness and godliness. And because we don't have authority right in this nation, that's why there's so much strife. That's why there's so much anarchy today. Anyway, that's a little detour there. And I say to one, so he's, he's telling Jesus he understands authority. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers 
under me, probably a hundred. And I say to this one, you have to have authority if you have a hundred people under you. If you don't, it's chaos. There's no vision. There's no respect. There's no, there won't be direction. There won't be people conforming to the plan and to the vision. Authority, having soldiers on me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. Another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. You know what? In our military, they put it in them. You know, I was reading in Romans about uh, Jesus dying for all of humanity, and it starts to talk about, you know, it's not even likely that a man would die for a, a, a good man. It's not likely that somebody's just going to die for a good, good person. They're not going to give their life. And then it goes on to say it's not even likely if it was a good, good person. <laughs> but you know how our army, our military people do that? They enlist. And when they enlist, they, they're being told, you're going to get hurt. You could die. You're putting your life in jeopardy. And they sign off on it. And of course they paid. But, I mean, you wouldn't work for that. And so I got to think, they actually put their life on the line for this country. They are to be admired. And I tell you, when you see somebody in a military uniform, don't shun them. Run up to them, shake their hand, buy their lunch, and give them money. That went over good. (laughs) Policemen, too. Policeman, too. I mean, Paul Borman, he looked at me one day with tears in his eyes. He said, Pastor, I don't know if I'm coming home sometime. He said, I just don't know if I'm going to make it home some nights. It's that bad. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, that's the key. As you have believed, so let it be. Let it be, let it be. John Lennon didn't come up with that. Amen means let it be. Just trying to lather y'all up a little bit because we have to do that to keep your attention. Let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother-in-law. I mean, it takes faith to pray for your mother-in-law. His wife's mother. Wife's mother. That's his mother-in-law. Uh, his wife's mother, yeah. Lying sick with a fever. Kick her in the teeth right here. Do her in right there if you don't like your mother-in-law. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Hallelujah. Peter wasn't crazy. Cook me something there, mother-in-law. When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. There it is. And heal all who were sick. So this scripture ties into a spirit of uncleanness, a spirit of infirmity in an unbeliever. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So if he took our infirmities, we don't have to carry them. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the... Gerasians, there met him two demon-possessed men. Great. Coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. 
And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Even the devil knows Jesus. Have you come here to torment us before the time? You think Jesus tormented the devil? Where does Jesus live today? We torment the devil. I'm telling you, whatever the devil dishes out, whatever he dishes out is what he has. If he, if he dishes out fear, he's full of fear. If he dishes out torment, he's tormented. Sickness, he's sick. Mentally, physically, <laughs> emotionally, he's sick. Now, a good way from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding, so the demons begged him, saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go, so they went. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. Jesus never did care for pork. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water, so... When the disciples were in the boat, they saw a ghost. They were thinking, they, you know, this is fables. This is how uh, bad information travels. They believed they had demons in the water now. So when they saw Jesus, he's a ghost. Anyway, a little sideline there. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everybody everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. All right. Let's go to Hebrews 1, verse 1. Jesus came to reveal the Father, his will, and his nature to mankind. God, who at various times and in various ways, he spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through kings. He spoke through the priests. But now, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person. That's the description of, of the Father. Jesus is the express image and likeness of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So all power has been given to the word. And we conceal, carry that word. Jesus was God in the human body and clearly showed that God was the healer of the human race. Jesus is the healer of the human race. The healer's in the house tonight. The healer lives inside of you. Jesus is not the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. God reveals himself through Jesus as the healer of mankind. If we read the Gospels, Mark Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read them. And everywhere you see in the gospel, there's people getting healed, there's people getting set free from demons, and there's miraculous things going on. Okay, number three, God revealed himself as healer through the New Testament church. We saw the Old Testament. Um, and now we're looking at number three, God revealed himself in the New Testament church. That's you and I. Acts 3, 1, 8. We're going to read it. I know you're familiar with it, but let's just go through it. Acts 3, 1 through 8. 
and verse... Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb. Just think about that a while. Never could walk. Was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. To him, it wasn't beautiful. He couldn't even go into the temple to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. So he was looking for something, but the unexpected came. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter was, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. So we have a healing anointing that we can transfer. It's God who heals, but he works through us. He works through his people just like he's working through Peter. Peter just came out the upper room. Peter is charged. Peter has a revelation that now no longer will he be serving a Christ, an external Christ. He's closer to Jesus than he's ever been before. Jesus has internalized himself as a healer, and now he's working through Peter. I do not, I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ, as power in that name of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Right before that, he was lame from birth. We, we, we're going from being lame from birth, all of his life couldn't walk. In the name of Jesus, something happens, and now he's walking, leaping, and praising God. Now put verse 16 up there. Same chapter. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Wrong chapter. Let's just go to Acts 5.14. Acts 5.14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter. Wow. You know, Paul would use aprons and handkerchiefs. The rod of Aaron would actually bud. What were some other things in the Bible that had power in it? These were like storage batteries with energy. It's almost like the anointing could be stored, and it's a contact place. And so we are the batteries of the Lord. You understand? We have the anointing of God stored inside of us. I mean, if God can use a handkerchief, surely he could use you and I. If, if he can use a handkerchief as a contact point from Paul, surely he could use you and I. Let's do this tonight. Before you leave, put something up here that right before you leave, we're just going to pray over it and you can use it as a place of contact for someone. 
maybe a lost soul. It could be a shirt. It could be your wallet. Don't leave your wallet. Just leave some garment up here, and we're just going to take that. Maybe you can put it under somebody's pillow. Maybe you can bring it to work and just kind of lean it against a chair that they sit in all the time. Y'all with me? I mean, it's all we see that. Um, you put your money, we might keep it. Well, just put your money in the offering. <laughs> That's strange money. They laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirit. And the Bible says they were all healed. Acts 5, I mean Acts 8, verse 5. When David Hogan comes, he does this every time. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preach Christ to them. Listen what happens when you preach Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame and were healed. Amen. Acts 9, verse 32. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed then he arose immediately. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but Peter is working in the gifts right here. He could have, he could have got a word of knowledge. He could be in uh, the gift of healings. Some of these people that are getting healed, it's not done by their faith. Now, they're receiving, but it's, it's coming off of the boldness, the confidence of the word that the ministers are preaching. And, of course, there needs to be some reception there. But most of these people are Gentiles. Most of these people have never really met up with the Word yet. And so they hear it maybe for the first time about healing. Or maybe they heard Jesus was a healer, and now the disciples are going about healing, so they heard. And so they're open now. And maybe there is some faith that is raised up. Can we go on with that scripture? Or did we cover it all? Let's go to Acts 14, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. Here it is again. Who had never walked. Who wants a never walked person in front of you that you can lay hands on to them and begin to see them walk? Come on. This man heard Paul speaking. That's why wherever you go, if you're talking to somebody about Jesus, just talk a little louder. And, you know, like a ventriloquist, just throw your voice all over the room that people can hear you speaking. Heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently. Now listen to this. 
and seeing that he had faith to be healed. I'm not thinking this is a theologian. I'm not thinking this is a, even a godly man. I'm not thinking this, this guy has been to the River Church for 10 years through the Bible schools. I'm not thinking that's him. And the Bible says he had faith. He heard that Jesus was a healer. That's probably it. So you understand, you don't have to be a scholar. And not always people need to understand everything. Man, you speak by the Spirit, you say a few of the right words by the Spirit, you got their attention, the faith that they have, even though it's a little bit like a mustard seed, man, all of a sudden something can happen. Yes. You don't have to do a jig. You don't have to do a dance. You don't have to, you know, get all caught up in what, what gifts should I use? Is it knowledge? Is it wisdom? Or how I'm worry? I mean, just flow with the Spirit. Just do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. And if the Spirit is not telling you to do anything, just you see somebody cough, you see somebody hurting, the Bible said just lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It's that simple. This man heard Paul speaking. People need to hear what we're saying. Yeah. We have something to say. Yes. You need to be the spoke person for the Lord. Uh, do we have another scripture there? 10. Um, okay, uh, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. How about that? Mm -hmm. Acts 14, 8. Oh, we already covered that. Acts 19, 11. Let's do that. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. How many of y'all believe that? So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. So the apron and the handkerchief was separated from Paul. Somebody else carried it. Somebody else is carrying the anointing. It's like a storage battery of the anointing. I believe in that. I really do. We've seen it happen. I'd, I'd personally rather have my hands on them, but if we can't have that, if we can't get to them, Man, just believe by faith. God, I, I make this, I make these glasses. When they, when they put my glasses on, I make it a contact point that the anointing will touch them and heal them or convict them of their sin in the name of Jesus. How about the next verse? Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the, I love this story, that the island was called Malta. We're going to run all through these scriptures. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. This is natives. <laughs> it sounds uncivilized. For they, kindled, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. What's that? For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, if you're going to do something for the Lord, if you're going to bring the fire of God to people, you're going to get attacked. Listen to this. He gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. 
The devil hates the fire. The devil does not like you to be a fire in people's life. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. You know, when you start ministering to somebody, it's going to look strange to a lot of people. It, it's just, when you're praying for somebody in a, in a mall, it just looks a little strange. Just get used to it. I don't even worry about it. People, I mean, people will do whatever they want around you. They'll cuss, they'll holler, you know, they'll do crazy things. And so when we start praying and minister to people, don't worry about what people think. And the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man, he's weird. He's a murderer. <laughs> Whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. They see Paul totally wrong. But he shook off the creature. Just shake off the creature when he attacks you, when you're trying to minister to somebody. Don't let all that stuff hang on you. Shook him in the fire. Enemy don't like the fire. And Paul suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up. You know, people, people will attack us. People will question us about what we're doing because they want to stop us. They, they, you know, they, they want us to swell up and look bad and just stop what we're doing. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come on him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. So if we press through in what the Lord is calling us to do, I'm telling you, the spectators will become believers. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen on the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. In other words, because of Paul's great exploit, he didn't die. Something supernaturally happened. It caught people's attention. He has the influence of the mayor of the whole island now. He has his ear. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery, and Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. Now watch this next verse. And when this was done, man, when you get your work done and you see God move, when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came, and the whole island was healed because Paul was courageous, Paul was bold, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. And even in, in, hard, in a hard situation, Bad circumstances. The weather wasn't right. People were looking at him wrong. The will of God was done, and a whole island got healed, probably got saved, knowing Paul. Uh, Acts 28, 9, 1. Y'all sticking with me? Acts 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, oh, we already did that. Forget it. Uh, number four, God has placed gifts of healing in the church and given the church today the ministry 
of healing. That's a, there's a gift in the spirit that we use uh, to get people healed in church. Also, James 5.14 uh, states that God will heal anyone who is sick with any kind of sickness. Jesus commanded his 12 disciples to heal the sick. Disciples heal the sick. Jesus was sent. He sent his disciples out to heal the sick. I won't go through those scriptures. Jesus commissioned not only his 12, but then the 70 were commissioned the same way to go out and to heal uh, the sick. Let's look at that uh, Luke 10, 1. Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before the face into every city and place he himself was about to go. Luke 1. Nope. Luke 10, 1. I'm sorry. Luke 10, 1. There it is. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and set them two by two there before his face into every city place where he himself was about to go. Okay, you, you're doing good there, girl. Go to verse 9. <laughs> and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You know, I've been around people and I've done it myself. I've walked in a group of people. It was complete, complete, complete chaos. Y'all know how when something, somebody's alarmed, somebody gets a bad report, how things are turning for the bad, everybody's freaking out. And sometimes we just need to walk up and say the kingdom of God is here. And that's actually what happens when we walk up. The kingdom of God is at hand because the king is in us. And we have, we've had to do that many, many times, walk in very chaotic situations and just Susan and I and say, listen, settle down. We got it. We're going to pray. And sometimes you, you need to tell them what's going to happen. I'm telling you, I've gotten more, not all the time, but when I expected something to happen, it, it usually happens. And I actually voice it. Somebody's about to get healed. This, the circumstances are going to change now. I get it in my spirit. I'm not just saying it to say it, because if you just say it to say it, you just said it to say it. <laughs> but, you know, if you're just conscious of the spirit and what the Lord wants to do, man, you just, you feel it. It's, something's about to change. You can feel it in the air. You can feel it in the atmosphere. Sometimes you can feel faith in the room. Sometimes it's such a desperate situation that there's no other way to deal with this. God, you have got to intervene. Y'all with me? And so the gifts of the spirit, the, the prayer of faith, and I'm going to read these and we're going to stop. Ten ways God can heal your body. Ten ways. God wants us to be healed so much that he has made at least ten ways available for us to get healed. Number one, God has put gifts of healing in the New Testament church. That's in Corinthians. Anointing the sick with oil. That's in James 5.14. Healing through prayer cloth. We just read about that. Praying and prayer agreement. If two uh, agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done by our Father which is in heaven. Uh, by speaking words of faith, telling the mountain to be moved. 
You know, we can't move a rocky, rocky bit Teton Mountain. It's not what the scripture is about in Mark 11.23. The mountain is the problem. The mountain is the disease. The mountain is the sickness. The mountain is the devil. Laying hands and transmitting the anointing of God. Praying the prayer of faith. Using the name Jesus to resist sickness and Satan. Taking God's word as medicine. The word of God is a medicine. The word says that the word of God is health to our flesh. That word health in the Hebrew is medicine. And then when the Lord says, I am the Lord God that heals, that word, the original word, means physician. And so, so, so the physician has a medicine, and the medicine is the word. Taking God's word as a medicine. And the last one, by receiving the Lord's supper by faith. Notice doctors were not in there. And people say it all the time, the doctor healed me. No, they say the doctor, they say the doctor did it, but Jesus healed me. No, the doctor did it. You understand when the doctor does it, he does it. <laughs> well, he, that, we know that God uses doctors, but healing, this miraculous healings don't need a doctor. It has nothing to do with a doctor where you go through all the surgery and you go through all the medicine and then you say, Jesus healed you. No, he didn't. Well, Jesus is in that. Well, yeah, he's in it. But Jesus, that's not how Jesus does it. Well, the doctor went in, he cut the tumor out, and then you say, well, Jesus healed me. No, he didn't. The doctor cut the tumor out. Y'all understand that? Let's give credit where credit is due. If Jesus does it, let's say Jesus did it. If the doctor did it, let's just say the doctor did it. Y'all with me? I'm going to go to Jesus route. I'm going to take the Jesus route. First, I'm going to pray. That's the Jesus route. If you have an ailment, go to the Lord. Any man suffering, let him pray. Take the Jesus route. Before you take any medicine, go to the Lord. Before you take anything, any sedative, any pain medicine, anything, go to the Lord first. Get the Holy Spirit's approval. You know, people, people tell me this. Well, well, the Lord told me to do this. You really need to hear from the Lord when you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to be cut on. Just give the Lord some attention. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but I'm saying give, it, give God some attention. Pass it by the Lord. The Spirit of God may give you the best process, the policy you need to follow, or he may just heal you himself. That's, that's my plan. But when we go to Florida, there's this big billboard, and there's these pretty hands like this folded. And across the top in big letters it says, give Jesus a chance. Give Jesus a chance. <laughs> in other words, use Jesus for last resort. That's what the sign is saying. When you've tried everything else, give Jesus a chance. No, let's give him first opportunity. Let's make him first and foremost. Anyway, I pray tonight just being under the, under the word, just reading the scriptures of life, 
reading the scriptures of Jesus actually in bodily form, in the image of his Father, coming, laying hands on people, praying, uh, teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. That's our commission. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Wherever you go, teaching, preaching, and healing. As soon as there's a problem, 